You're coming to the season of the year, the music is always magnificent, and so Bird and John, thank you, and, and Catherine and, and Bridget and Laura, thank you, what a blessing. And, and last week, I mean, y'all just did it, it was amazing, amazing. Again, thank you for the gift of, of the cantata and the, and the way that just lifts us all as we ready our hearts to receive our Lord as he comes to us. And music does that, I think, probably better than anything else, and so we... We appreciate that, that offering and that blessing. I want to focus us in on one verse, verse 6, as we come into our, our thinking today about Jesus being our Prince of Peace. And verse 6 uh, reads like this, The wolf shall live with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the kid, the calf and the lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. So we have to get the picture here as the Isaiah the prophet comes. He says, now there will be the wolf and there will be the lamb. There will be the leopard and there will be the baby goat. You know, there will be the bear and there will be the cow. And in the midst of all of that, a little child shall lead them. In the midst of all of that will be God's peace. And so as we think about the peaceable kingdom and the vision that that brings into our lives, I'd invite us to bow our heads to join our hearts in prayer. Gracious God, we give you thanks that as you come, and as we prepare for your coming in this season, that you come to be the Prince of Peace and to call us to be those who are peacemakers, knowing that indeed, even as you come as the child of God, that you call peacemakers the children of God. And so we ask that as your spirit would move and work in our lives this day, that you would draw us closer to, to that purpose and to that place in our, in our own lives and, and in our own world. And that you ask uh, that you would prepare us to be those who, even as we ready ourselves for your coming, we do those things that are of your kingdom to make that coming possible, not only for ourselves, but for all who are about us. And so it's in that hope that we lift up this prayer as we come into this scripture today. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Lord. Amen. You know, as you come into this season, one of the things I always enjoy doing is driving around the neighborhoods and you see the, the lights and you see the decorations and that's always so much fun. And particularly as you come closer to Christmas, it just seems to get brighter and cheerier and that's, I just love that part of the, of the season. And as part of that season, sometimes what you'll do is you'll drive by churches and you'll see nativity scenes out in front of churches. And those are the scenes where you see the, the figures of Mary and Joseph and the shepherds and the wise men and the angels, you know, they're out front. And, and so you get that vision and it kind of reminds you of, you know, what the season's about. And I, I love seeing that. And, and uh, sometimes they even go beyond just cut out figures. They'll have living nativities. And I don't know if you've seen a living nativity or been part of a living nativity, but that's when you get the kids from the youth group and what they come and they're Mary and Joseph and uh, they're the angels and the wise men and the shepherds. And, and I want to tell you as a participant in a living nativity uh, and as one who's organized a living nativity, it's a lot harder to make that peaceful than you might imagine. Uh, it's just always a challenge. And what really can make it challenging sometimes is when you start adding animals into the mix. Uh, I tell you, when you have the kids and then you get the critters, you get the sheep and the donkeys and, you know, if you go first class, you got camels, you got the whole thing. Uh, that is, that is a, a challenge. 
And, and so you see that, you see this, this peace of vision of the peace of Jesus Christ coming, that peaceful night, silent night, holy night, and you're thinking, boy, in back of all that, you don't know how hard that is to do. And uh, so, you know, I see that, and it reminds me almost like a, a biblical petting zoo, where everything is all together, and you know, where everything's in this harmony, and this shalom, and this, and this well-being of God. And, and just like in the petting zoo, what you do is you see the, you know, the, the little rabbits and you see the little ducks and you see the, the lambs and you see the calves and you see, you, know, you see all these little animals and you see the little kids moving through the animals and, and they're all petting and it's all so, you know, it's relatively peaceful, I know. Uh, and you say, man, this, that's the way the world is supposed to be. Just, it's just this harmony in this you know, place where everybody's kind of moving around and it, it's just this shalom is the is the Hebrew word for it, this sense of well-being. And so you get that picture and you, know, you may take your child to a petting zoo and, and you go there and you say, yeah, you got a chance to pet all these animals, but then you take them to the real zoo. And when you go to the real zoo, you, know, you still see uh, fuzzy and furry looking creatures. But you and I know when we go to the real zoo, they always have the bars and they always have the barricades and they always have the signs that say, don't stick, you know, you may have pet the animals in the petting zoo, but don't stick your hand through these bars. Because as much as nice and as friendly and as fuzzy and furry as these animals may look, when they look at you, you know what they see? Is lunch. You know, that's what they see. They are, they are not the friendly, fuzzy, furry kind of animals that you might imagine. See, because in their world, their world is one of, you know, eat or be eaten. Their world is one of predator and prey. Their world is one where you talk about the law of what's going on. It is the law of the jungle. And so that's where they come from. And what happens is Isaiah, as we come into the text today, he, he brings together the petting zoo and the real zoo. And he, he brings them both together and he asks this question, can you imagine? Can you imagine both of these coexisting together in a way that reflects the shalom, the peace of God? Can you envision that? Can you imagine that? And Isaiah says, I can. I can imagine the wolf lying down with the lamb. I can imagine the leopard lying down with a little baby goat. I can imagine the cow and the bear being together. I can imagine all of that. And the reason I can imagine all of that is because in the midst of all of that, there is a little child that is leading them. The reason I can imagine all of that is because in the midst of, of, of what would normally be, you know, a predator prey, you know, uh, kind of situation, eat or be eaten kind of situation, in the midst of all of that, a little child is there, and a little child is leading. And that's what allows Isaiah to come into that vision and to come into that, that vision for the world. Now, you and I know that when Isaiah writes this, he's not writing about petting zoos, and he's not writing about real zoos, and he's not even writing about animals. He's writing about people, and he's writing about tribes, and he's writing about nations, and he's writing about ethnicities. And particularly, if we were to read down in the text this morning, he's writing about Judah and Ephraim and tribes who had been at each other's throats for, for you know, decades and centuries. And so he's writing about, can you imagine them coexisting together in peace? And he's inviting them into that vision of the life that they share and to bring that into a biblical, take that biblical framework and bring it into a modern day update. It'd be like us asking us, you know, asking us the question, 
Can you imagine the Palestinians and the Israelis coming together, laying down their arms and joining together in peace? Can you imagine the Russians and Ukrainians coming to a place where they can kind of set down their arms and, and be together and join together? Can you imagine the Saudis and the Yemenis in ways that as they would form peace, they would stop that famine and they would find a place where they could coexist? Coming closer to home, can we imagine this scenario where the Democrats and the Republicans can reach across the aisle and talk with each other? You know, can you imagine God's shalom and God's peace there? What a vision. Can you imagine black and whites being together in harmony? Can you imagine gays and straights coming into a place of shalom and harmony and peace and well-being? Can you imagine? And so what he invites us to do is to come into this vision of God's shalom. And sometimes it's hard to do that in a universal way. Sometimes what you need to do is almost bring that into a personal way and ask, it in a very, ask the question very personally. Can I imagine myself getting along with and you fill in the blank? Because I think all, for all of us, we have those people in our lives. But when we think of God's peace and God's shalom and, and God's well-being, and you think, well, that's great for that. But when I think about this person, none of that applies. You know, can I imagine myself getting along with that neighbor down the street that always drives me crazy? that does those things that just get under my skin and I just can't imagine, you know, ever coming to a place where I could talk with that person in a civil way, you know? Can I imagine that? You know, can I imagine myself getting along with that coworker who's always coming along and always kind of upstaging me, always kind of undercutting, always kind of sabotaging? You know, the one who's always kind of pushing ahead and kind of, you know, and that you get pushed behind. You know, can I imagine myself getting along with that person? Can I imagine myself getting along with the family member where the last time we had the conversation, it just ended up in a place of, of being strained and hurt and silence, and we haven't talked for months. What Isaiah does is invites us to come to those places in our lives where there is not God's shalom, where there is not God's peace. And he says, can you have a vision that in that place, that in that place, that we can be in that place in a way that we can welcome a little child to come into that place and in that place in our lives, that we would let a little child lead us. Because as Isaiah comes this morning, he says, that baby that, that he prophesied, you know, so many centuries ago, that's the baby that we're getting ready to receive at Christmas. That's the one that we're welcoming. And even as we welcome that one who comes, part of the way that we welcome him is as the Prince of Peace, is as the one who brings God's shalom as a possibility into our relationships and into our lives. And so, you know, we read this text and we say, how can we open up ourselves to begin to have that vision about how I'd live my life and particularly how I'd live my life in relation to the people around me? where it's difficult for me to live with that shalom and that harmony and, and that well-being. And Isaiah leads us into it through the text this morning. It's really kind of interesting to me how he kind of starts out. He says it all starts out with a stump. He says it starts out with the stump of Jesse. And you and I know what a stump is. A stump is something where, you know, at one point something was lush and green and productive and verdant, something was growing, but then got cut down. 
That's how you get a stump. We know that. It got cut down. You don't know whether it got cut down by betrayal or by accusation or by neglect or by, uh, you know, uh, there's a myriad of ways that you can so mistrust in relationships that it can cut anything to the core. And so he says, it all starts out with a stump. And now he says, that's where peace starts. That's where hope starts, right at that place. He says, that's where Jesus Christ would be born, not simply, you know, in the, in the pretty nativity sets that we have, you know, and Jesus is born there, and not simply in the joy of everything that we know. He says, Jesus would also be born in those places of pain and of struggle, in those places where God's peace is not known in our lives. You know, in those stump places of our lives. He said, God wants to be born there too. Jesus wants to be born there too. To celebrate Christmas is to celebrate how he comes into those spots in my heart and your heart, my life and your life. And he says, when he comes, what happens is just in the, in the notion of celebrating his coming in his presence, he says, right there, that's the shoot of hope. He says, it's a shoot that comes forth from the stump. There's a bud that comes forth from the root. That right there, just in that presence of Christ, just in us kind of being, you know, believing and welcoming him, you know, that's the hope for regeneration. You know, when you think about how foresters work in, in forestry, the notion here is that when you begin to see that, that little shoot come out, out of the stump, that's what they call uh, reforestation, regeneration. And that's what welcoming Christ does. There's a regeneration for something that, that we thought was lost, we thought was gone. But with Christ's presence, you know, there may be and there is hope again. And so we welcome him in and, and, and with, that, with that understanding that he's there to regenerate. And what he regenerates, what he brings into that situation, it says he brings a different spirit. It says in the scripture this morning in verse 2, he says, a spirit of wisdom and understanding, a spirit of counsel and might, a spirit of knowledge, and a spirit of the fear of the Lord. And I want to tell you, friends, that is a different spirit than the spirit of a dog-eat-dog -dog world. It's different than a spirit of retribution. It's different than a spirit of revenge. It's different than a spirit of guilt. It's different than a spirit of shame. It's different than a spirit of retreat. It's different than a spirit of withdrawal. It's different than in so many other ways that we approach those situations. He says he brings wisdom. And you and I know what wisdom does. Is he says it brings wisdom and understanding. Wisdom seeks understanding. It, it looks he says this morning, it says it in verse 4 and 5, he says what it does is it looks beyond face value, it looks beyond first impressions. He says in the scripture this morning, he shall not judge by what his eyes see. You know, it doesn't take things at face value, it doesn't take things at first impression. It looks deeper than that. Wisdom does. It looks for, for root causes, it looks for motives, it looks for hurts, it looks for needs, it looks for struggles in other people. And so it looks deep, and as it looks deep, what it seeks to do is come to understanding. And so it, it seeks after that kind of understanding, and it seeks counsel of others. In ways that it gets into that place where it talks about knowledge and the fear of the Lord, it begins to seek after that place where it is God's righteousness that we seek after, and it is God's justice that we desire for. Not simply what's right and what we think, but a bigger righteousness. It says, righteousness shall be the girdle of his, of his waist, and faithfulness the girdle of his loins. That's what Jack read just a little bit ago. And so we come into that place where we're seeking that higher vision, 
that higher understanding of the relationship in which we find ourselves. And, and as we do that, God can go to work, and God does go to work, changing us, bringing us to a different place, so that we can again begin to engage those around us in that different spirit of spirit that I think is so well reflected in the prayer of St. Francis. And you may know this prayer of peace that St. Francis brings forward. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O oh, Divine Master, let me not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. The way you pray that prayer is you let a little child lead you. That's how you get to the place where you pray that prayer. That's the vision Isaiah has. That's the vision we're invited to embrace as people of faith. And as we embrace that vision, you, you don't, you know, it starts out small and you don't know how big it can go. I know a couple of years ago, I was looking, uh, there was some uh, racial tension up in Portland and there was a beautiful photograph that came out of that particular incident where, where there were policemen and there was the uh, African American community were there together and there was, there was a lot of tension there. But the picture was one of a policeman uh, hugging a 12-year-old boy, a young boy. And it was a beautiful, beautiful picture. And the backstory on the picture was this, that the, that the boy uh, whose name was Devin Hart, Devin came uh, to, the, to the demonstration, and as he came, he was wearing a sign that said, free hugs. And as he wore this sign saying, free hugs, then, then what happened is the policeman came, and the policeman said, hey, can I have one of those? And, and, uh, and Devin said, sure. And so as he gave him that hug, you know, the, the photographer was right there to kind of capture that moment. But what you see in those moments are two people, two groups that are on kind of opposite polar sides coming together in that moment and can all start that small. You know, it can just start with a hug. It can start with something that, that we don't think is that significant, but yet it is hugely significant. It can start as a seed and, and who knows where it goes from there and who knows how it grows from there. And, and the way I look at that is that, you know, George Bush, we all, you know, passed away, just a wonderful, wonderful leader of our nation. And so many wonderful tributes came in for, for President Bush. And one of the ones that, that I read that I really, really moved me was written by Mikhail Gorbachev, who was Bush's counterpart uh, during the end of the Cold War. And he wrote about George Bush as his friend. And he wrote about how they pursued peace together. And he said, you know, that when, when the, when the war, Cold War ended and, and the Berlin Wall was to come down and Reagan was the one to call for the wall to come down, but Bush was the one who was president when the wall actually came down, and that, you know, there was the counselor, uh, so many people were counseling Bush to go and get a photo op on top of the wall, you know, and Bush called it jumping on the wall. He said, I refuse to jump on the wall. And the reason he refused to jump on the wall was he knew that what that would do was just kind of aggravate, you know, everyone all over the, all over the place in terms of, of kind of just gloating. 
And he knew that that wasn't the spirit of peace. That wasn't the spirit of harmony. That wasn't the spirit of shalom. And so he didn't do that. And when he, when he you know, avoided that and kind of you know, didn't get the photo op that, that everybody was you know, looking for in that moment, what that opened for him and what opened for Gorbachev as they worked together was the STAR Treaty, which is the Strategic Arms Reduction Treaty, which cut back on, on mid-range and long-range nuclear warheads by hundreds. You know, things start small, but then things can have huge, huge, huge consequences. And the reason they have huge consequences is because they start in our heart. They start with people who have a vision for God's peace. The scripture this morning, uh, you know, it comes out of a whole number of scriptures. The Apostle Paul says this, that Jesus Christ is our peace. That he breaks down every dividing wall. That he brings two and makes them one. And so as we come into these moments and as we celebrate his coming, we celebrate that he is our Prince of Peace. That he invites us to be those who would be making peace. And he invites us to be those who hear the angels again as they sing peace on earth, goodwill to all people. And that we echo that in our own singing as we're going to sing just in a moment here. When the whole world sends out the song, that, when peace shall over all the earth its ancient splendors fling. And the whole world sends back the song which the angels sing. It's a song of God's peace. And I pray that heart for you and my heart for all as we come into this Christmas season. Let's bow and let's pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks for the ways that in your coming, you would be the little child who leads us. You would be the one who invites us into your shalom, into your well-being, into your peace. You would be the one who would give us your spirit, that different spirit, that spirit of wisdom and understanding in those places where we need it, in those places where we need your regeneration. And so, Lord, it's, it's with that hope in our hearts that we hear your word this day. We receive it in faith and we would live it in this Christmas season to your glory and in through Christ, whose name we pray. Amen. Let us to stand and join together in singing our closing hymn, It Came Upon a Midnight Clear. Let's sing together. <laughs>